all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and, and they you've got to get them off welfare. Hey, welcome to Cars and Comrades, your leftist car podcast. Uh, my name is Bryant. We've got the full crew here, Zach, Connor, and Brandon, and we also have uh, Alex returning. How, how's it going, everyone? Doing well. Pretty good. Eh. Cool. Yeah, doing all right. So we're back uh, talking about used cars, finishing up what we started previously, and... Um, we're going to try and be a little less rambly and uh, a little more concise than we were last time. But um, also uh, the software that we're using got an update and now we have sound effects. It's the first sound he uses. Oh, <laughs> first sound he used is, is the one requested not to be used. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so that's, anyway, like, that's where the show track. is going now. See, look at this. Unbelievable. And now so. Connor's going to go start a Trotskyist newspaper in, in objection. <laughs> I told you uh, I'd leave. <laughs> but since we are recording on a school night tonight, we are going to be a little bit more concise than normal. So let's uh, let's dive right into the project car updates, if we will. Zach, what, what have you been up to? I have not been doing too much work on my own vehicles. I have been looking at used cars, though, uh, on the theme of the episode. Uh, I went on Friday to check out a used F-150. It was, it looked really good in photos and it seemed promising. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Seemed promising, but when I got there, had some issues. Um, There was some cosmetic stuff, which whatever, I'm buying it for a work truck. I can overlook some cosmetic issues. Someone had spray painted the headlights black. Oh, oh, come on. I mean, it's fixable, yeah. but ew. <laughs> yeah. Small shit like that. There was some rust repair that was pretty shoddily done, uh, like foam spray <laughs> into the <laughs> Wait, a way to do rust repair? <laughs> <laughs> Not my preferred method, no. Uh, yeah, a few little things like that. But then the, the real kicker. Well, and then there was a there was an oil leak. Uh, it looked like for, coming from the pan, uh, so probably a bad oil pan gasket, which I was not too concerned about. It was a up until that point, I thought a decent truck for a decent price. So I was like, ah, I can do an oil pan gasket. That's not a big deal. Um, but then I went on a test drive and I went into four wheel drive, and it was making horrible noises when I turned. And uh, the seller of the truck told me that I shifted into four-wheel drive wrong. No, that what? <laughs> I was like, nah, man, you can you can shift into four-wheel drive while you're moving. He's like, no, you, you did it wrong. You did it in park. You're supposed to put it in neutral and then do it and then put it in reverse and then, and then wait a minute and what? then put it in drive. And I was like, that's all wrong no but whatever yeah, dude no i don't think so, so no, it's a product of the 80s i do remember that yeah this was a this was a 2010, 2010 truck <laughs> you're supposed to be able to shift into four-wheel drive up to 65 miles per hour 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what that's like someone who's like, no, 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 from the factory. Yeah, you're supposed to like you got to close the door, turn the radio to seven. OK, only seven. Then you turn the car on and off three times and then honk the horn and then it'll work. It's like, no, nah, it didn't come to the factory yeah. that way. That's your that's your work. No, no, but. guys, you're fucking it's back, back, down, down, A, B, A, B, start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to put in the Konami code. You you posted a link that you said you're actually going to go check out. I think it was an F-150. Uh, on the last episode, you mean? Yeah. That one was a Tundra, and that one got sold like almost That's immediately. Right. Uh, I had no chance to check it out. I think it got sold before we got screenshots of the ad. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, the Toyota sold immediately. There was a reason the Ford Yeah, was. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I was like trying to negotiate with the guy kind of talking to him a little bit at this point i wasn't completely like turned off of buying the truck i was just like ah you know i can do a front end rebuild like it probably needs cv axles whatever no big deal so i was just like you know what? i'm gonna throw a price out there and see what he says and i'm uh you know i'm looking the truck over kind of taking my time thinking about it and he's like oh hurry up man i haven't eaten all day it's cold out here hurry up do you want the truck or not Right now, what do you want? Oh, what wow. do you want to do? Are you going to buy the truck or not? And I was just like, dude, like, he was asking ninety four hundred bucks for. It. I was like, all right, would you take seven? And he's like, no. And I was like, all right, cool, see ya. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll throw a number out there just to make you happy. But like, nah, he was being pushy. The truck had issues. This is definitely not yeah, what you want to buy. Trying to, uh, yeah, trying to create that sense of urgency, which is like. That works for like a seasoned sales professional. That doesn't work for a shitty used truck that's leaking. Yeah. Okay, like that works for a car that's really nice or at least presents well. Not one that was clunking when you tried to fucking put it into the fucking four wheel drive. That's like you can't create an urgency except for the problems that the truck has. That's yeah, like, as, yeah, as the classic car guy on the show, I gotta say it. You know, you know what it means when it's leaking oil. It means it's got, it's got oil. oil. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that guy, that guy was just being shady in general. So, I yeah, definitely, good definitely thought. a good lesson in what to avoid when buying. He's like, cars. hey man, can you buy this car before the owner of it shows up? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta yeah. get out of here. <laughs> I, I I will no joke buy a questionable car from someone that I intuitively trust faster than I will buy a good car from somebody that I don't trust. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if the guy was being chill about it, I might have considered, like, haggling a little, negotiating, talking with him, you know. But he was just being so pushy and so weird about everything. He kept saying, it's a work truck. Why are you looking it over like it's a show truck? And I'm like, I'm going to look at it, dude. Bro, it's broken. I'm going to look at things. It's like, broken. Dude, like, you if you paid me? what he wanted, like, $9,000 isn't $500. Like, you're going to look at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's nine grand. He's like, oh, it's not a show truck. If it was a show truck, I'd ask 15 for it. I'm like, well, it's not a show truck. Then it's not a show truck. It's, it's a piece of shit truck. Like, <laughs> He's like, I start it every day. I drive it. It works. I'm like, I'm sure it fucking works and drives, man. That's not the issue here. <laughs> the issue is it going to continue to do that or is it going to blow up slash not go into four wheel drive? The physical embodiment of it's not just good, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, good <laughs> tips on uh, what to avoid when buying a used car to start off this used car episode. That guy. Yeah, that fucking guy. 
<laughs> Fuck him. Antonio, if you're listening to this somehow. <laughs> you're a dick, bro. <laughs> I, hope in, I hope when this gets released, you get a call and he's like, dude, I was listening. <laughs> that was fucking rude. <laughs> that would be absolutely incredible. I would... <laughs> All right. And uh, a- anything else you've been up to? Or just trying to buy trucks? Just trying to buy trucks. Swimming through the muck and the mire of the used car market. Yeah, well, that that sucks, but it is what it is. Yep. And uh, ne- ne- well, that said, uh, we're we're moving along here. So next up's Connor. What you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, I've been pretty busy. Um, Wait, which is it? In a <laughs> not a lot. I've been really busy. <laughs> Oh, well, no, 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 not a lot on the ah. car. Um, I've been mostly not doing shit on the car. Haven't had to drive it too much lately. Um, so we've just been busy with other stuff. And, you know, that's all fine. Um, I'm also having to spend a lot of time now, instead of working on my car like I should be, having to spend a lot of time in the job market again, which I'm like perpetually in the job market, unfortunately. But now it's serious. Now it seems like I could be laid off any day. So it's not great. <laughs> So any day uh, I could definitely lose my livelihood. Uh, not super fun. The company is floundering, doing all kinds of shady shit. I think they're under some investigations for other things. Wait. Uh, anyway, Connor, do we being, work at the same uh, company or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all I'm saying, the point being here. Uh, the boss doesn't take the risk. The workers yeah, do. Yes. And uh, yeah. yeah, definitely fucking feeling that as the uh, lack of meritocracy is very noticeable when it's like, hey, I did really good at this job. And all the people who didn't, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm suffering for their fuck up. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment, so. even as someone who takes a lot of unnecessary risks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you know, anyway, so. That's an issue. I've been dealing with that, so I'm spending more time than I'd like to on resume and cover letters. I'm actually writing those this time. Ugh, oh, God. So the big thing that I've been neglecting on the car, which is causing me a little anxiety today, uh, is I've been running straight water because that's what the track requirement was. Um, and it's cold here in Chicago, so it's going to be below freezing tonight. Oh, no. It got just, it got just below freezing last night. I think it's going to be 27 tonight um and i'm running straight water so not i please go get some water um, wetter no get real so anti i have water wetter in there <laughs> no i have water wetter okay. in there um but that doesn't okay. help now i am going to be parked in the garage tonight um which does you know that gets me another five ten degrees of warmth i, I don't know how much exactly which is the part that gives me anxiety i know it's warmer in there i just don't know how much if if you go um, let the the car idle up to temperature, the block will soak up enough heat that you'll be good probably through the night. And that being said, well, personal experience yeah. as someone who has nearly split a block doing what you're doing, um, you're you're a hundred percent fine, and your weather just get to it as quick as you can. Okay, so like I was gonna say, like I think it's fine. I just don't want to fucking play around after I spent all this money on a fucking building the motor. Um, I don't want to like go crazy. Now it should be fine. I'm going to, I have a space heater in the garage and I, and there is like a thermostat option. I think I'm going to like turn that on just to like, just in case it gets really, really cold. 
it'll it'll you know warm it up just enough that it shouldn't be an issue. So why don't you just drain it and put antifreeze in there? Um, because uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I have I need the concentrate, um, which is they don't sell at the auto parts store. I have it coming being delivered oh, tomorrow. Okay. The special you know antifreeze that my car takes. Um, it's not like the universal. Do you shit, have to drive so it tomorrow? They don't have the constant. Do you have to drive mm-hmm. it like to work tomorrow or something? Oh. I do. I do. But like tomorrow during the day is going to be fine. It's just it's yeah. the night. So like it shouldn't even be that temperature for that long. So I honestly I think it's going to be fine. It, it's just I have to I have to do it tomorrow is basically what it comes down to. So that's how I'm going to spend my Halloween is uh, putting. A, well, basically, I, I'm going to drain like what's in the radiator with just which is just straight water. That holds about a third of my entire cooling capacity. So then I'm just going to dump whatever I can of the concentrate in there, and then it'll mix up in the engine. And it'll be fine. So um, it's it's a quick process. It's just I have not had time to do it. And when I wanted to do it this weekend, I spent many many hours working on a resume and cover letter instead with ChatGPT. <laughs> um, but that still took many hours. So yeah, I mean, I don't know how different our blocks could be, but I know that yours can handle like a degree of power so i would say you got to worry about being in the teens high single digits before you like extended periods of, of of that sort of cold and like i said if you're that worried about it warm up the car before you, you go to bed just, no yeah uh, honestly i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna rerun it out to get dinner with it uh tonight so like that should i figured that'll keep it warm enough and again it it should be warmer in my garage it's just I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh man, it got colder sooner than I want. I'm not telling you something you don't know. I'm tell I'm alleviating the anxiety that I'm familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Where you're just I'm in that situation where I'm like, I know it's okay. I know it's fine. It's totally gonna be okay. But um so yeah, that's my car update. That's where I'm okay. at. <laughs> I know it's gonna be okay is my mantra right before a fire. So I, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm familiar. But yeah. All right. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, Brian, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I've been a little bit busy uh, fighting my computer trying to edit this podcast and uh, all the other crap that I've been trying to do. Damn, um, computer got hands. Yeah. <laughs> For real. I, uh, yeah, I'm not the most computer savvy person. And also Windows is just terrible. So um, it's winter. I shut all my windows. Yeah. Um, but anyways, on my car, I, uh, it also is getting cold here. So it snowed, uh, on Friday and so, or Saturday anyways, Why would you on, do that? I, yeah, I know. Right. It's bullshit. Um, we need to abolish winter, I think. Well, we're working on it, but Wait, it was a lot of yeah. snow. Too. <laughs> Give it a couple of years. <laughs> um, uh, it was a lot of snow. Wasn't it, it was like four inches or something like that. Right. Zach? Not nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, four to six inches, yeah. But uh, what was I going to say? So I put my snow tires on. I uh, dug those out of the crawl space and swapped them over. And I got them on the kind of shiny WRX wheels that I got from the junkyard. Or no, I think I got those from Facebook. Anyways, um, it looks pretty decent. They're a lot lighter than the steel wheels I had on there. They're nice and squishy and soft. So like when I hit potholes, it's like... Oh, what was that? Um, <laughs> but also, like, it feels like the tire is going to come off the rim whenever I'm going around a corner. So that's exciting. Hmm. But also, 
I don't know if it was because I also topped off the power steering fluid, but the like weird vibration that I had at like 80 miles an hour has gone away. Um, and I'm not sure what if like maybe I have one of my summer tires is out of balance or whatever. But uh, yeah, I if I have time tonight, I'm going to fix the uh, gaskets in the power steering that are leaking. And uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be, you know, not burning uh power steering fluid all over my exhaust anymore and, we're having uh, the same problem <laughs> yeah the uh, the other day my coworker was like uh is your car on fire i'm like no nah, no nah, it's fine it just does that <laughs> we're having so much the same problem <laughs> that literally happened with one of my coworkers. <laughs> yeah actually it was two different coworkers that came up to me on two different days <laughs> Um, isn't it kind of embarrassing sometimes that like being the car guy, but your car yeah. is usually a bigger piece of shit than like the regular person? Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone else is like fine, and you're just driving a broken piece of shit all the time. You're like, no, no, no actually, it's fine. I'm gonna fix it, and they're just like, can you, can you yeah. fix it? I don't. I'm starting to wonder, man. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm actually often frustrated because people are like, don't trust me because they're like, dude, your car is broken all the time, and I'm like, yeah, but it's also running all the time, so. <laughs> as often as it's broken it's fixed so you know there, there is at least one of my coworkers that has a worse car than me this dude uh, i was at, on break uh, i was outside you know taking a break while um first shift was leaving and he goes out to his corolla pops the hood uses like a um what do you call it like a snow brush to hold up the hood because the prop rod's gone i've done that can't even can't I can't even judge that. I have literally done that so and many And then he times. goes into the trunk, gets a hammer, starts tapping on the starter motor. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. If it works, it works. I'm like, my man. Works a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him do it at least twice. But um oh, fair enough. Maybe I'm uh, wrong. But yeah, the other thing I think I need to do on my car is change the transmission and rear end uh, oil because I checked the rear end and it's looking a little bit gray, but uh, I need to go out and buy the actual fluid for that. On my bicycle, I think I t- talked about this last time that the shifters weren't working properly because like one of them was cracked and one I think was the wrong ratio or whatever. Anyways, I I have like I have like at least three sets of shifters for that bicycle. Now I put on a brand new set that I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the wrong kind, but I'm going to try it anyways. And on the three speed hub that I have the um, it's backwards. The shifter is backwards. It's like the wrong kind. So first is third and third is first, but it works like it shifts into all the gears. So like, I see no problem with that. Yeah. That, yeah, that fucking works. Stay yeah. That way, <laughs> so um, I have another set of shifters that uh, I know are the right kind, or at least I'm pretty sure. But they're old and used, and and maybe not in the greatest shape. So I might swap those on later, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I would keep the new ones that work. Yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah. it's got a three-speed hub. Get a fucking sharpie and write the numbers. <laughs> I might do that. But the thing is, it's got a. It's got a three-speed hub, and that that shifts fine as long as I keep it uh, oiled and lubricated and whatnot. But then it has a seven-speed cassette, like with a derailleur, and that I can only get it into like five of the seven gears with the shifter that I have. 
so that I need to adjust something or get the different mm. shifter. So I don't know. We'll see. But hey, five out of seven is a perfect score. So you're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Some of those, some of those are useless. Like if you've gone all the way to seven on some of those and it's like you're pedaling and pedaling and you're not moving, fuck it. Just leave it. You yeah. I mean, I can ride it just fine and it works, but it kind of makes some clunking sounds, uh, when it's in certain years, like you know? every every mode of transportation I've ever owned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with all my vehicles right now. Um, I think, uh, Brandon, your turn. Yeah, that's me. Um, I've been fairly busy, uh, given that this is normally the time of year that I, I feel like we start winding down. Um, I... I have been tracking down what I thought was a, an oil leak from the cutlass from the valve covers for like two or three weeks. I think I was fighting with it the last time. I've gone through like two gaskets and like a fucking whole tube of, of RTV and it just kept leaking. And it turns out that I'm I won't even say I'm dumb for this because it's just it's exactly what Bryant was just describing. At speed, my fucking uh, uh, power steering pump was leaking so much fluid that it was spraying it all over <laughs> my intake and exhaust manifolds and so like, every time i stopped it would just be like smelling like burning oil and just smoking and yeah one of my coworkers even came into the the shop one day and was just like there's a huge puddle of oil under your car <laughs> and i'm like i'm working on it i'm fucking working on it and it, it <laughs> It took me just driving it, and I knew I was putting about a quart of fucking power steering fluid a week or more in it, oh, and that somehow I was just... I, yeah, that's your giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's leaking, man. <laughs> and somehow, even though I was had this horrible oil leak, I was only putting about like a quarter of a cup of oil in it. Um, it wasn't until I popped the hood to let the smoke dissipate when I see an active drip from the pressure line into the pump that's dripping like a drop every like one or two seconds. And I'm like, Oh, well there's the problem. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> I even wrapped a towel around it and duct taped the shit out of it because as I will continue to explain, this has been my only mode of transportation for the last few days. And it soaked through it in about a quarter mile drive and was still dripping so badly. <laughs> And oh, no. fucking somehow, every, the entire internet has no idea what power steering line fits this car. So I'm having to figure out, like, because they're universal. Apparently this year, pretty much every car that GM released ran this line, which is great. That means they're super accessible if I can just figure out for sure what the fuck that means. Oh, my God. I, I'm not overly worried about it. I just have to, like, go under the hood, measure the lines, make sure that I'm buying the ones with the right fittings, and I'm fine. But I've been relying on the Cutlass as transportation because even though, I, as I have been very quick to point out, I can ride my bike to work most days, it's been raining, like, non-fucking-stop. And, uh... Well, so I bet all your coworkers are all of a sudden like, oh, I see why you bike to work every day. <laughs> I, I get it now. I, I got you. Okay, so um, I don't remember where I was at the last time we recorded, but my uh, my Ford van had uh, okay. I couldn't get my Chevy to start, and for the, the a very simple reason, either my electric fuel pump has gone, or it's just having a really hard time priming. Like maybe I need to pressurize the tank or do whatever. Not an issue. Not going to get into it. But it forced me to rely on my Ford for a road trip that I had on deck, 
So I had to get the Ford ready to drive 700 miles round trip. A thing that I was not comfortable doing, but I promised the van that I would never take it out of state again. And technically, I was only going to the other side of the state. So on a technicality, the van qualified for the trip. (laughs) I don't know if you have to keep promises you make to your vehicles. Just throwing it out. Uh, I'm sorry. Are you a filthy liar? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) I tell my car all the time. I'm not going to drift you this time, okay? That was it. We're done. No more. Uh, see, I tell my van every time, listen, this is going to be hard, but we're going to get through this together. Uh, <laughs> no, so before the trip, I, I did two simple things, which was change my oil from the diesel oil that I normally run in it just to be safe. And partially, like, on Alex's recommendation from the last episode about how much additional resistance that's probably causing in terms of, like, you know, lost horsepower and fuel economy. I put in a lightweight oil, but still heavy enough to, for the motor, and I gained a full three miles to the gallon. <laughs> Jesus. Which, when you factor Wait, in that initially I was getting seven and change, that's like a fucking like forty percent improvement. I did not know. I didn't know that that had any effect at all. What were you running? Fifteen W forty? Oh, he- dude. No, like diesel oil, dude. It was it was heavier. Th- that's what I'm talking dude, about. I, I want to say that shit was like 60 weight. Oh, oh god. Oh my god. I don't I, I'm probably exaggerating, but it was heavy. And now I'm 15W40 is what a lot of dudes oh, yeah. run. A lot of drift cars people use it because it's heavy duty oil, but I didn't know it affected fuel economy and power output. Well, I mean I the no bad idea. wheel bearing was probably not helping my fuel economy either. <laughs> or the no air in the tires. Well, I got air in my tires. All right, you're good to go, though. Yeah, that's like one of the only things I do check. No, no, uh, the bearing wasn't it, because I, the bearing has gone bad since my fuel economy has been shit. No, I, I fully went from 7.5 to 11.5 miles to a gallon from an oil change. Damn. All right. Um, like, literally, the day I think it was the day before I was supposed to leave for the trip, I'm, like, cutting off my old wheel bearing with an angle grinder and dragging it into work, <laughs> where I thought we had a press, but then I got there and realized that it's the smallest fucking hydraulic press that you can buy from harbor freight for this like little job that we do so i pressed a wheel bearing onto my fucking axle with an arbor press and a six foot long piece of black pipe (laughs) (laughs) i get it all together i'm fucking pumped i get home next morning fucking van won't start (laughs) floods like the fucking like arc is ready man like (laughs) i I just, I, I call it, like, I get to work, I'm supposed to leave, uh, no, I'm sorry, I, I got the axle done, like, two days early. Van won't start, I'm like, it's cool, I've got the next day to figure it out. The next day, it just fucking starts. Uh, I don't ask questions, because I've got 700 miles to run. A whole bunch of other shit in my personal life goes wrong that forces the trip back another day. That's fine, everything still goes smoothly. I get to fucking Philadelphia and back... I sleep in the van for three days. It's a sick trip. I have a fucking blast. I make some money. Like, I see a bunch of friends. Blah, blah, blah. I even get home. It's rainy and shitty out. I drive the van because the Cutlass is leaking fucking power steering fluid like a sieve. And then I don't drive the van for two days over the weekend, and it will not run anymore. Absolutely. I can let it sit for a day, 
and if I try and start it once, it is flooded. So I know some. I I have my carburetor disassembled on my kitchen table right now because that's the household that I live in. Uh, I couldn't find the cookie sheet that I normally dedicate to carburetor rebuilds because <laughs> at that point it's a it's a carburetor sheet, not a cookie sheet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to, like, cross-contaminate here. Like, I actually know a yeah. dude who got really sick trying to oil-bake some shit in his home oven. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so so currently I'm not comfortable driving the Cutlass because of a mat. I actually have been just – I only drive it with no power steering fluid in it because, fuck, it works close. Because um, it leaks so bad, and power steering fluid is flammable. Uh, so I don't love how much of it's landing on my fucking exhaust manifolds. Uh, the yeah, you don't need power steering. Yeah. Uh, Once you're moving, it's fine. You know, the Ford, I, it's $30 for a rebuild kit or $70 for a new carburetor. Got to figure out which route I'm going. Going to probably try and rebuild it because if I do both, I'm still only out like 100 110 bucks. I'm sorry. Did, can you quote those prices one more time? Yes. A rebuild kit is... I, I think the cheapest one I found, which I'm not sure on fitment for this year, was 27. Most expensive one I found was 40. Cheapest carburetor I found, I think, was between 70 and 80. I don't remember exactly. And they go up from there. Other ones are 100. Some of them are like original rebuilt ones, which I actually feel like I trust more depending on the competency of the shop. I would trust that more. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about ordering the rebuild kit and trying to rebuild my old carburetor not the one that i replaced it with Hmm, and i don't know uh yeah i I have no idea what i'm doing right now the power steering line for the cutlass is like 30 bucks i just have to make sure the fittings are correct and i'll have something running by next time we record i don't doubt that it's just it's frustrating because i would be more than happy to ride my bike every day but it's just been fucking pouring since i got home and that's that. That's me. I don't. I don't think I left anything out. Like I, I kept working on friends' cars and shit. Like I worked on other people's stuff. But for me, that that's it. Everything just on brand. Everything broke. <laughs> Alex, what have you been up to? You wanna wanna guide us back into? Yeah, a few different cars. I actually made some pretty good progress on my girlfriend's new daily slash beater slash. She wants to make it into her like mess with car. She's got a 2002 Jetta wagon. We replaced the trans cooler because that was leaking. Replaced the dry belt and the belt tensioner. Did engine mounts. We did an oil change. She replaced the ignition coil module by herself with a little guidance. So that was nice. cool. She likes learning that stuff. Then other than that, been working on the potential Lemons car. Oh, cool. I had to take out the powertrain control module. And ship it out for repair and hope that that fixes it so we could start gutting the interior and getting caged. Uh, remind us again what the Lemons car is. So the Lemons car I had originally was an 83 Rabbit with a VR6 swap. Yeah. Sold that after Sebring in 2021 because me and my buddy, we did what we wanted to do with it. We completed a Lemons race. It didn't blow up. We didn't die. We're like, okay, we're both moving into apartments, so we didn't really have any space to mess with it, so we sold it. And now another friend of mine has this Cadillac he was considering turning into a Lemons car. So it's an 04 CTS, you know, first gen, six cylinder, nothing crazy, but decent power, rear wheel drive. 
he got it for two grand and it's a decent enough car, but it could totally pass for a lemon. So we're going to try to do that because lemons just announced they're coming back to Sebring this May, which is a two hour drive from my doorstep. So cool. can't say no. So yeah, it's got a misfire an injector, electrical injector faults for cylinder six. He threw an injector at it. That didn't fix it. I did a wiring overlay, check connections, this and that, and pretty much determined it's got to be the powertrain control module. So, what is what is a wiring overlay? That sounds complicated. It actually it's actually much easier than it sounds. So if you suspect that you've got a bad wire, let's say you ohm out a wire, you've got too much resistance and you think there's a break in it or corrosion, instead of fixing the wiring harness, you pretty much just replace that individual wire in the, let's say, the connector to the engine control unit, and then you run that wire that you think is damaged, overlay it over the harness and go straight to the injector in this case. I don't like having a competent person on the show. It makes me <laughs> makes me feel bad about myself. I don't know. You talk this about is... you you do everything on the car. You're doing upholstery and shit like that. So I wouldn't. Not good. More than I do. It doesn't look right. <laughs> is it good enough for you? No. <laughs> I tried to give him a softball. <laughs> I learned a hard lesson that all not all fabric is UV resistant. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so yeah, we sent the uh, engine control unit to some place in Jacksonville that supposedly rebuilds them, does a pretty good job. They had some good reviews. Hoping that's the actual issue because they charge 160 bucks to fix your issue, whereas a new control unit from the dealer which is the only other way to do it because you can't steal one from another car with the immobilizer would be $1,400 holy shit like I said the car was $2,000 so we're not going to be doing all that yeah well that rebuild sounds very affordable suddenly yeah (laughs) Yeah. so yeah me and my buddy are splitting it and if that doesn't fix it like honestly we're probably just going to sell it for what we can get and maybe move some of the nicer parts he has on the car onto another CTS because he bought like the CTS V front and rear brakes. So they're nice monoblock calipers. He's got CTS V suspension and wheels. So, and this was going on the lemons car. Hell yeah. <laughs> Y'all are cheating. This is horseshit. God hey. damn. This is wrong. No, no. I know cheating's encouraged, but this is too much. What are you talking what the, about? Yeah, but <laughs> wheels and brakes don't count. Yeah, hey, brakes are safety. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, the wheels oh, okay. don't matter. Okay. I mean, it, you could put five hundred tread wear on good wheels. Hold on. So can I get a can I get a lemons car and put like fucking fancy ass like works on there or something? You can do whatever you want, but they're gonna put you in cool. a certain class and they're gonna dock you laps. For instance, yeah. the I thought. Hold on, I thought wheels didn't count. Now they count. Yeah, it doesn't count what towards the, the budget. I don't think they really care about wheels, honestly. And yeah. That they're kind of correct in the assumption that like people show up with super cheaty shit and they almost never win. Like, yeah, people get disgruntled, like, oh, this car is clearly built, it's like got this crazy suspension, and something always goes wrong. Like, yeah, it's always the people that just show up and do like laps and finish 
that do better than the guy that shows up with like two full fledged race cars. <laughs> no, I, I could see that. It's it's a race about well finishing or getting as close to finishing as possible. The actually so. most the the overall winner at my Sebring race though in twenty one was a three fifty C that was super cheaty. And nice. the only reason they won Wait. anything is like at the end the judges admitted like someone fucked up and didn't give you enough penalty laps. Like you should have started a hundred laps back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was about to say I'm like, how did like there's some cheap 350Zs out there, but uh, I don't know. There's too many that are that cheap. Yeah, and there I don't know. It's it's not my style to go there to try and win. Like I want to go there and have no. fun and like <laughs> do some. I like I like going there mostly to look at other cars and see like the ridiculous swaps people do. That's like my approach to wanting to drag race, and that is not a popular approach to drag racing. <laughs> Just want to show up and get down the track. Yeah, for me, if you complete a lemons race, like if you if you got on track and you were there for the checkered, like you won. Yeah, agree. That's a good attitude, I think. Yeah, I just want to get to the point where I can show up at a drag strip and they are like, it's the track rules that they have to breathalyze me before I can run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you get enough of a reputation, you can make that happen. Well, amongst a certain crowd, I'm already there. So yeah, hopefully we've got till May to get a car ready for Lemons, and it sounds far away, but we've had the same deadline before, and there's so much shit to do to get a car that's not a race car at all to, like, ready for a race like that with all the safety equipment and shit. So Yeah, a lot of work there. Yeah, we'll see. Other than that, that's pretty much all I've been doing. All right. Wow, that's uh, well, that's that's us. I won't say that's a record for us, like getting through car updates, but you know, un- under an hour for five people is pretty solid. Hell yeah, yeah, faster than we usually do with four people. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do we do today, guys? Well, why don't we take a a quick break and um, we'll come back with uh, some some uh, used car buying advice kind of thing. But um. Nice. I think Zach's going to be leaving us. Yep, I will have to. Surprises. I will have to hop off here at the break. Um, you guys have a good show without me. Uh, All right. Any uh, a real quick any used car buying advice you want to leave us with? Yeah, don't buy a fucking Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I said that before you went to look. I know. You know what? After the Ranger, I don't even know why you looked at it. Because but... I like pain. <laughs> He didn't look at a Ford. He looked at a reminder. (laughs) (laughs) Wait for the right Tundra. Yeah. Yeah. That's the move. Honestly. I don't know. Zach, since you're, since you're going to be using this advice, uh, hopefully pretty soon, maybe you could edit this episode. Uh, It might might help you out to get here. Here are all the tips. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could. (laughs) (laughs) I've never edited an an episode before, but you know, no better time to start than now. Yeah. I'd actually start pulling my weight around here. <laughs> well, you just no, I just you just need an advanced uh, listening here because uh, it sounds like you're going through it with that used car market. Yeah, I just need you guys to pause every like 15 minutes and be like, Zach, don't buy a Ford. Just as a, <laughs> yeah. a good reminder. I'm just gonna set an alarm on my phone like every day to text Zach to not buy a Ford. That's honestly not a bad idea because I I tend to make bad car purchases so. There's a there's a small chance I will end up buying a Ford if I'm not constantly told not to. 
Dude, if you're even looking down that road, just buy an S10. Yeah, honestly, I would. Can I've you been just looking use like the Cars and Comrades two email and set it up as a spam email account? <laughs> to spam his email with like anti Ford propaganda. <laughs> we'll figure out something. Is it propaganda if it's true? Well, actually, yes, that is. It is yes, yep, still. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, right. bye, Zach. Bye, Zach. Bye, bye, Zach. Bye. See you later. Have a good night. Good night. Adios. All right, we're back and we're talking more about used cars and what to look for when buying them. And we're going to start off with a article on consumerreports.org. And it's entitled, Don't Buy a Car, Move to a City with Trains. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any of those in America. I feel, I feel like you got to go to like China or hell. Even Why would you move and stay in America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you hate yourself enough, New York City is pretty good to get around as far as public transportation. Like I said, if you hate yourself enough and want to do the subway thing and it's not for me, but I've had close friends that did it for a few years without a car. I feel like that's the only way to do New York, because I have driven through New York City and uh, would not ever do again if I can avoid it. Like, awful. I've done it a few times for a job I was doing, and it was it was awful. Um, oh, yeah. Having so. a car in New York City is easy as long as you're making well into the six figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but like getting anywhere takes you four hours. Like if you got to be on the other side of the city, like it's going to take you almost most of your day. Like it's bad in my experience. No, you just live in the rich part and you don't leave it very often. You just yeah. drive the three blocks to uh, drink with your other law partners. I don't know what rich people do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I was talking to someone recently who moved here from uh, New Jersey and I asked, well, what do you miss about that area? And they said, uh, one of the things they said was, it's okay to be in a bad mood and no one will be like concerned about you. <laughs> like, I don't, okay. It's not a bad mood. It's it's literally their outlook on life. Yeah. I've been to both places. I could address this in depth and I'm not going to. Yeah. This is an automotive podcast, not a whatever that would be podcast. Yeah. We're staying on track. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, that is a thing we're doing. Okay, so this article here, uh, how to buy a used car now <laughs> in 2023. So, you know, Consumer Reports is a decent uh, source of information if you're buying, well, anything like a toaster or uh, whatever, but, you know, also used cars. They do uh, some testing. They do some data on what's reliable and uh, safety and all that kind of thing. The problem with this article is it starts with uh cars in the forty thousand dollar range Oof. okay yeah i'm seeing some problems there some issues so it's talking about a a guide for buying a brand new car well see the thing is it it says sorry (laughs) no (laughs) i'm sorry a guide for buying three brand new cars (laughs) (laughs) so it's saying you know in the third paragraph of this article that the used the the average price of a used car right now is twenty seven thousand dollars. Ouch! So, 
I hate it, but we have addressed the fact that this is true before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does have some good general advice here. Um, you know, it says, look at the safety equipment, you know, try and get something with the, the latest safety equipment. If that's uh, what you're concerned about, strong reliability. I, you know, it's funny. I've like, I feel like I've never even considered the possible, like <laughs> thinking about the safety equipment. I'm just like, oh, it's newer. It's definitely safer than what I've got. So right. <laughs> I literally buy cars from an era where safety equipment was the option of buying seatbelts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the pre uh, pre Ralph Nader cars. I own vehicles where seatbelts were an option. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm gonna leave you with that. The only airbag in my Cutlass is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, my MR2 also does not have airbags, but uh, that's why I don't drive it in the winter. Well, among my- other reasons. My 91 GTI has that terrible combination of like the lap belt that goes across and then the one from the right that buckles up to that thing on the door. Ooh, oh, the yeah. automatic moving. It's, it's, it oh. doesn't it doesn't move. It's fixed. It's just oh. that you put the one across. I mean, it's at least it's got one on your lap and across. But yeah, I'm whenever I buckle it, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is even safer. I've <laughs> honestly never seen one of those that wasn't like the automatic one that you could unbuckle. Yeah, no, they're just they're fixed. So if you open the door, it's it hits you in the face. So you better unbuckle it. It doesn't move out of the way. Uh. But it's a Volkswagen, so if it ever did move, it definitely wouldn't move now. Yeah, <laughs> German engineering, baby. Yep. When I was in college, I got a ride from someone that had like a '93 Ford Escort or something like that. That it had those automatic moving seatbelt things, but the it had broken. So the motor to like move it was always running while the car was. <laughs> so we're just driving down the road and it's going. Rrr, 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 rrr. Okay. I like, I'm going to show my age here. Uh, my sister had a 93 Ford Escort used when I was a kid. Yeah. And it was a shit heap when it worked properly. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so what, what else does uh, uh, consumer reports have to tell us about buying a $40,000 used car? <laughs> <laughs> so idea. it has it has some uh smart advice on financing like go through your bank rather than the dealership oh yeah uh, that's actually really good advice like that's <laughs> harp on that don't take the dealership they're getting like kickbacks and like financing through like shell corporations attached to the dealer and shit like no go a real bank will offer you a real loan yeah. uh, okay these... as the person who has probably had a utility shut off the most recently i have to ask questions about this <laughs> I, I i honestly personally did not know that the bank will give you a car loan yes yeah yes. or like, even better yet a credit union if you can get into one um yeah. so like that's a weird whole thing but like usually most credit unions want more customers so if you go to a credit union you open up like you, it'll usually like have some stipulation, like you have to have an account there. So they'll be like, okay, well you have to sign up for an account, then you can get a loan, um, and then yeah. So that's how I actually got my car loan on the three fifty Z, which I was late on regularly. Um, so okay, I, okay. I, have a, I have a lot of additional questions okay. here, and on, I'm gonna. Me, tr- yeah, let's go through them because actually, if this is a car buying guide, I think this is really important information. When you were I, talking to somebody who has never embraced the credit system in their life. Well, so here, so I have a good story about that. When I was looking for cars initially, this was like 
post 2008. So like I was looking for a car at a dealership or something. It was like 2010, 2012. And I was looking at like cheap cars and shit. And I was trying to buy them from like shady little fucking small time dealers. And every one of them was offering me like loans at like 27, 28, 32%, something like that. Crazy, crazy, you know, uh, interest rates. Right. And I was like, and then I'd like, look at the monthly payment. I'm like, Dude, this is like a $6,000 car, but the car payment's like $450 a month. And I was like, um, I can't afford that. What kind of bank are you using that says I can fucking afford that? So I never bought any of those cars. Well, a few years later, when I, I ended up looking for you know dealership cars again, um, I went through a credit union and I, with no credit history and, you know, whatever... I was able to get like a loan at about 10% for a used car that was like 12 years old, which is hard to get for, you know, a car that old, they usually want to charge higher interest rates. So yeah. So the like difference that I experienced the dealership, they were all offering me around 30% fucking interest rates. Credit union offered me about 10% with no credit history. So big, big difference there. See, that's yeah. interesting because there's been a lot of cars that I've wanted to buy over the years where I'm like, well, that's out of my price range. My price range being what I can pull out of my bank account. And yeah. like, I'm not eager to have a car payment, but you know, if it's like your dream car or something, like, you know, you make some sacrifices. So my car payment on the 350Z, I mean, this is a few years ago, but um, it was $180 a month. And I financed like seven and a half thousand dollars or something with a 10% interest rate. So like, Look, it's not ideal, but, you know, that's a manageable car payment. Now, the average car payment, they say, is over $1,000. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Your average? Average car payment now is over $1,000. Is this with, and like, three billionaires buying McLarens, buying the, like, nope. bringing the fucking nope. average up? It like... is normal for regular people to pay. And I'm not saying, like, they're paying $1,000. There are a lot of people who are paying... a month for a car payment. Now, granted, that's usually new cars, um, but those tend to have lower interest rates, mind you. So if you buy a car that's a couple years used, you're probably going to have a higher interest rate. So your car payment's almost going to be like kind of similar in many of those cases. So yeah, the average car payment is now over $1,000 a month. Fuck. So... Yeah, that's that's why, like, I was like, oh, yeah, let's stop and talk about this, like, interest rate shit for a second, because that is actually really important. Do not take the loan given by the car dealership. Do not ever, no matter what they offer you, no matter what interest rate sounds good, they're going to say and they'll take it to their office and they go, oh, yeah, we have a we have 30 financial institutions that we finance through. We can go and check and get you the best rate and they'll come out with some fucking maybe on a good day if you have great credit they'll come out with some like 24 percent ass loan do not fucking take it go to a bank go to a bank say i'd like to buy a car and they'll say cool we can like and the way it works is you'll have like some set amount they'll be like okay well a car up to x amount of dollars will give you this percent you know interest rate or whatever so yeah there's all kinds of programs like that go to a bank or a credit union first do not this take- is this is dangerous because now there's going to come a day where the bank's going to be like, sir, you already have seven automotive loans with us. <laughs> uh, no, that's you- the thing. 
that's the thing about car loans. If you get one, like, when I was, like, 25, maybe, I bought, like, what at the time was, like, my attainable dream car, I guess, let's say. A car I never thought I'd be able to own. And maybe, like, a year into owning it, the payment always gets old, like, much older than, like, you appreciate the car. So you'd only, in my personal experience, you learn that lesson the hard way once. Like, yeah, even if it's a car you really wanted for a long time, like, every day coughing up, every month coughing up that decent chunk of change, you'll get over it real quick and you'll realize, like, no car is worth that amount of financial stress. Yeah. I looked into financing a decent car once and it was $500 a month. And I'm like, who could fucking swing that? Fuck this. <laughs> that's, what I'm that's yeah. Again, the average is now over a thousand. As soon as I was faced with like a four to 500 a month payment, I was like, fuck you. No one on earth can afford this. And <laughs> we've gone years in a par- but like, this is why we've talked about in the past, like an auto loan bubble and shit. This is why that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say in my personal experience, I paid a car payment for many years. I beat the shit out of the car, like for real. I was not concerned that the bank owned it when it was at the track, um, which maybe I should have been. But <laughs> yeah, because my car payment was manageable, like two hundred dollars a month. I was mm-hmm. broke then, but like I could usually manage that, even though I was late, kind of frequently. <laughs> I still daydream about getting a fucking loan for a Hellcat and then just blowing that fucker up in the first month and then defaulting <laughs> on the rest. <laughs> My coworker is always talking about Hellcats and scat packs or whatever. I'm like, dude, I'm like, don't. He's a young guy. He's like 21, but he's finally making decent money being a mechanic. Shocking, I know. And he's like, oh, I want a scat pack, this and that. I'm like, dude, don't walk into the dealer. They're going to crush you. You've never had a car loan. You're credit's not that good from what you tell me i'm like they're gonna hit you with like a 25 percent interest rate he's like i'll pay 100 percent interest because i'm 100 percent interested in this car (laughs) (laughs) don't do it no i I don't even know what to say in response to the dumbest thing i've ever heard (laughs) okay i'm gonna say maybe we should go ahead and move on to to the rest of the episode i will just say thank you because like my most my most autistic quality is that i refuse to ever understand how uh credit works and i have learned enough to maybe move forward in the future from this the one last thing i want to say in the car payment is especially if you're not super mechanically handy and you want to finance a car i think it's worth finding a car that has a very decent at least powertrain warranty because if you could find a car that's going to be in warranty through the duration of your loan let's say you get a five-year loan or six-year loan but the car is going to be under warranty the whole time that's a much better selling point because you do not want to be making car payments while you're paying to fix the car down the road so i did have that yeah that i i did go through that I don't know how warranties work, though. So I, that's where I'm stupid. <laughs> I don't know. how. I'm like, that seems impossible to me. I don't get it. So you, you just got to shop around a car that you're really interested. For example, my girlfriend daily drives a GTI. And the certain year that she bought, they had seven years, 72,000 mile bumper to bumper warranty. And she bought it used, but she's going to be in bumper to bumper warranty up until after she's done paying for the car. So like if something happens to her car, I don't have to worry about fixing her car on my day off. Like it's hundred percent covered. And I think Hyundai and maybe Kia, it might just be Hyundai still have like the 
ten year, hundred thousand mile warranty. So, hmm. I don't know if I'd. Still I feel. Do that. I, feel yeah. I thought that was a thing for like every car maker for a long time, and it seems like a lot of them have dropped off or something. I don't know. Yeah. But funny that Kia and Hyundai are holding that. Jeez. I'm not yeah. sure about Kia. I know Hyundai was the last one to be doing it, but someone could correct me. Maybe they don't do it anymore, but they were the last I heard to be doing it. Crazy. I, I thought capitalism was supposed to make better products for longer <laughs> and whatnot. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I don't think we have time to quite get into why that doesn't pan out. But Well, yeah. if you've been listening to the show, you better understand it. God damn it. You, you can read between the lines. <laughs> so uh, what else did Consumer Reports have to say, Bryant? So they do say, be wary of extended warranties. So this is like when you buy a used car with an additional warranty on top of it, like if the original warranty has expired. And it seems that most of these are pretty shady and don't cover a lot of stuff that you might need and it's better to avoid that. Although they do say to look into um, certified pre-owned cars and that's where the uh, let's say you buy a used Honda, the, you know, Honda corporation has gone over this car mechanically and said, yes, we will give you a warranty on this car because we've looked at it and we think it's going to, you know, last for a while. Um, oh, so that's... certified pre-owned come like maintains its warranty or something, or it's has a it's a warranty. It's not like the original warranty necessarily, but it's it's a it's a new warranty with the manufacturer of the car, not like some third party uh, okay. or something. That's my understanding. I might be wrong. They okay. cover. I mean, it's different brand to brand, brand to brand, but it's usually something like a two year unlimited mileage warranty on certified pre-owned cars and it's not really a bumper to bumper like it won't cover all the things that a new car warranty covers like let's say you went and bought a brand new honda tomorrow and every time you hit a speed bump you hear a clunk in the back of the car that's going to be covered under a new car warranty but let's say a certified pre-owned warranty they're like yeah we'll cover a check engine light diagnosis and repair but it doesn't cover like noises unless it's like an extreme safety issue. So it's oh, about, yeah, it's about as close as you could get to a new car warranty and definitely better than third party, but it doesn't cover everything, but it, it covers everything that will keep you on the road safely. God, it still sounds no, kind of shitty, honestly, to me. Yeah. Well, so, so maybe, you know, this, cause again, I, like I said, I don't know shit about warranties. If if it's like if someone's like had a car for one or two years and then they sell it back to a dealer or whatever, it has it lost then its new car warranty and any warranty it has is either through the dealer or a certified pre-owned situation or do they maintain like if it's five if it came with a ten year warranty and it's five years from when it was made does it still have the original new car warranty or yeah I think the only thing that will discount a new count a new car warranty is if the manufacturer or dealer like flagged your car is heavily modified or like a salvage title situation okay but other than that a new car warranty will follow the car oh whereas okay. cool yeah sometimes it's certified with you know if you guys are looking into buying a new or used porsche the certified pre-owned warranty will leave if it let's say goes through like a third-party dealer but i believe yeah. it can be transferred from like one private seller to another so that's something to look into. Every manufacturer is a little different with that. 
Interesting. Y'all, I gotta be honest, having like an actual automotive technician with us is kind of a game changer. <laughs> I did not know any of this shit. <laughs> we are mostly Brandon's very gonna buy a nine eleven tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you have not seen my credit score. <laughs> Which I n- neither have I, but I've also not paid a bill on time in twenty five years. So Hey, you've borrowed pizza from Whole Foods. You could borrow someone's identity and go get a race car. <laughs> that was not borrowing. That was... You, you give it back. <laughs> you can it's give fine. it back. You could let them drive it sometime. <laughs> um, when I said I'm clearly the person on the podcast who has most recently had a utility shut off, I meant two months ago. well while we're on the topic of credit scores i'm gonna brag a little bit because i'm kind of proud and i worked really hard for this i think i'm technically like on the fucking border of good credit for the first time ever nice which took me a long time to do because uh i had some rough years (laughs) um so i've mostly fixed my credit however uh i can tell you from experience uh, it's it's a fucking it's all bullshit. It is in one hundred percent bullshit. Like I have to borrow money to make it look better. It's cra- mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure in order. I'm like at a point where I'm like, okay, I can sit here and gain one point every six months or something like that, and like that's pretty much it. But if I ever ask for more credit, which is the only way to build credit, I have to ask for more, and the act of doing that will ruin my credit again. The- so. I have Even good more credit right up thing is if you pay off a loan. Have you seen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So w- my partner and I have to like constantly keep wonder about like, oh, my God, if like if this account closes, like our credit scores drop, it's fucking bonkers. Absolutely nuts. So like I have like I have good credit. OK, like I'm like one point over the line on good credit officially. But if I ever ask them to give me like uh, like i don't ever use the credit just, just to be clear i never charge anything except I, I have to once in a while i put gas on my credit card or something just to keep it active or whatever supposedly it's better i don't really know again worked really hard to like not use it or whatever but if i ask them to increase my credit limit i'm pretty sure it's going to wreck my credit for a while which fucking sucks so it's like okay but i need to do that in order to increase it further so, like, it's a stupid bullshit game. It's all made up. It's completely bullshit. And it's just rigged to work against working people. Um, yep. Yeah. No, yeah. 100%. It's a joke. And it's a system that's younger than everyone on this show. So, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, that, not quite. It's... Not quite. It's 1987, and I am younger than that. But <laughs> Oh, I, I thought it was early 90s. But No, it's enough. 1987. But it's very close. <laughs> so... Well, at least we don't live in the authoritarian country of China with their social credit score. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is totally what a different. weird place. Totally, yeah, yeah un- unbelievable yeah. how crazy that is. Yeah, uh, it's and crazy real. how that like exists in a really minor way in one province of China and isn't that big of a deal. I heard it was everywhere all the time. And like if you said something bad about the government on the Internet or something, you, you can't buy a house. Unlike unlike the U.S., where everyone can buy a house at any there time, there was a split second where I took you seriously, and I was going <laughs> to jump through the fucking computer. <laughs> no, I was like, this cannot come out about you now. I do not need to know this about you. Fuck off! But now you're good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm. I feel like sometimes I'm like, I'm just like the most tanky anarchist you can I, be. 
<laughs> and I'm, I, I, I we, we had this conversation. You're the tankiest anarchist, and I'm the most anarchist tanky. So it's, it's how we became horseshoe theory. I'm, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I will, I will advocate for authoritarianism while rampantly everything I can get my hands on. Like, <laughs> uh, what? I, what are those? <laughs> uh, I do believe we were talking about buying a car, though. Yes. Oh yeah. Keeping us so, on track. So Trying. here's a few uh, here's a few things to do when you're actually looking at the car in question. Kick um, the tires. <laughs> yeah, I never quite understood what that's supposed to do. Uh, actually, kicking the tires, like what is that? I could I don't know. I could uh, hypothesize. Is, is there air in them? That's about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but what you can do is you can like put your hand on either side of the tire and actually try and wiggle it and see if there's any actual play that's not supposed to be yeah. there. Yeah, that's a real thing, but you know, kicking them doesn't do shit. Hypothetically, a person who doesn't keep air in the tires might not be taking care of other basic maintenance needs. That's a stretch, but you know, so is most of buying a car. I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right. So here's a few things to look at. Um, one is uh, check the car's history with uh, Carfax or some other service, and this will basically tell you if. The car has been in any accidents, if it has any open recalls, if it's like a rebuilt title or if it's been stolen, anything like that, how many owners there were. And, you know, like sometimes you can get a hookup if you know someone that has an account. But if you're paying, you know, thousands of dollars for a car, it's worth, you know, paying a little bit for the Carfax, uh, you know, temporary membership or whatever. You know, also just look around the car, walk around the whole thing. Because you don't want to like buy it and then, oh, hey, I didn't notice that there's a giant dent in the the rear quarter panel that I didn't, you know, look around and see. I'm going to be honest. I was actually a little bit shocked to see the like just to see the like <laughs> bold heading walk around the car. And I was like, damn. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it also says like, you know, look underneath it for rust uh, or fluid leaks, um, you know, try all the knobs on the stereo and the switches and everything. If it smells funny, like if you smell mildew, it might have been in a flood. Oh, yeah. That's really like that. You do have to watch out for, you know, flooded cars. Yeah. And apparently, like even dealers will fucking sell you shit like that. So it's worth remembering, too, that a lot of this stuff is regional. Like there are certain things that are a bigger issue in certain areas. Rust in the frame and like undercarriage around me is a fucking nightmare because we salt the roads during the winter. So, yeah. Get on your fucking back and check every inch of the the underside of the car because if it looks gnarly, then your car is not long for this world. Yeah. Which again, quick note, uh, what what Brandon and I consider gnarly is undrivable, according to <laughs> Bryant and Zach. Because in Denver, a very different world. They they don't have rust there, but like I here mean, in the Midwest, there is some amount of rust that you expect. I see classics for sale in California where people are like virtually rust free. And I'm like, bitch, that is showroom new. (laughs) (laughs) If you're buying a car at a dealer too, there's nothing wrong with saying like, Hey, I'm not going to buy this car. Like you've got, it's got at least 10 lifts in your shop. Can you put it up on a rack for me and just let me look under it? Yeah. And I mean, I will say they do salt the roads here, but it, it doesn't snow that often and it's never humid. So I think that's, part of it but well i i brought that up because you guys talked about flooding and it's like if you live in a flood prone area 
yeah, pay attention to like signs that the car has been in a flood. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in New Orleans, for example, that's, uh, that happens. Yeah. There. Or, or I, yeah. I imagine a large parts of Florida, which yeah. Yeah. Alex can... we have at least three to four flood cars a week, a week. Wow. That is I... way more Ugh. than I thought. It, it's not, but it's not always what we consider a flood car. doesn't mean the car traversed, you know, four feet of water and waded through it. Car modern cars have sunroofs and people like nice things and those sunroof drains get clogged. And if you live in a tropical region like we do, it doesn't take much to block a little drain and then it backs up and it ends up inside the car. Very common. Nice. So what so what um if you can, Alex, real quick, can you give us just like a quick rundown of like some of the major problems you get from flooding, like if there's electrical issues or, or whatnot. And the other thing is maybe how to identify uh, flood damage vehicles like if you know of a couple quick little things that would be great mm -hmm. so the quickest way to identify a flooded car is it's really really hard to hide the smell like i forget who said it that mildew smell and we yeah. get a lot as soon as we open the door you're like even if you're untrained you know like okay this smells like disgusting like a basement but you open that door you get that whiff terrible yeah um the biggest issue that's going to come from that is, again, any semi-modern car, even 2000 and up, is going to have a lot of control units in the car, and a lot of them are going to be on the floor, pretty ground level. So if that car has been flooded, you're probably going to have warning lights for something. Maybe the radio's not going to work. It's just something's going to be off about the car. And again, if you can see a car in a lift and the car has been under salt water or anything like that, you're actually going to see, like, be able to see a water line if that car sat at least in flooded waters. So, using your nose is really the best way to tell. And other than that, a, a Carfax is worth a few bucks if you can't get a free one, for sure. Yeah. And and I guess some uh, dealerships will also give you the free Carfax report. Yeah. If they're being if, nice. Yeah. If you're seriously interested, buy like. They'll usually have Carfax or Car Check, whatever one of those, and it sometimes it'll just be online with the listing. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little shady used car lot isn't gonna just hand it over, but they know people want to see that now, so they're not really charging because they're paying the same monthly fee to have unlimited access to Carfaxes anyway. Yeah. Well, next up is uh, take a test drive. So I mean, not only looking for mechanical problems, but just to see if the car is a good fit for you, if it's comfortable, um, if you like the controls and everything and, you know, like the way it handles and everything. It says, uh, you know, look for visible exhaust smoke, uh, any abnormal vibrations, uh, smell any if you smell anything burning. And then, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll add on there just like any weird clunks or uh, sounds. Clunks or are a big one. Yeah, it's yeah. like the thing to watch out for, which if you're like, if you gain a bunch of experience and you kind of know what you're looking for, you know, if you can identify the clunk right away or you've looked ahead of time to know what the problems of the car are, like you could be like, hey, I'm going to fix this. OK, like like Zach was saying on his truck. Oh, you know, or the truck he was looking at. Oh, I can change an oil pan gasket. That's not a big deal. But like knowing that is is very powerful. So like when you test drive it listening for things you think you can fix versus things that maybe you want to stay away from is just something worth noting. Uh, Brandon, you, you, you get some. 
Yeah. Um. Uh, one, you touched on something I don't think we addressed earlier that is important. If you're going to go look at a specific car, like let's say you're Connor looking at a Z, know the specific problems to look for for the car. That's really fucking yeah. important. I, I bring this up as a guy who likes classics. You find that like, if it was built in the 60s or 70s, people have had a long time to suss out what fails first. And yeah. like uh, when I bought my Ford van, that one of the first things I checked was a thing that like I had talked to a lot of people who had owned that era of van and they always said the same thing. And I looked and found that mine actually did have that damage and it had been repaired in a way that I was comfortable with. And lo and behold, that's the one fucking place on this van I haven't had a problem. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was repaired in a very stout, sturdy way. So like no complaints in that specific respect. But like also uh, to me, doing a test drive seems very intuitive and very obvious. But like I'm kind of interjecting like a little bit of buying classic stuff here. I've had a lot of issues over the years because if you're buying a classic, a lot of times it's from a private seller, just some guy selling the fucking car in his garage and they don't want to let you drive it for various reasons. And at the very fucking minimum, unless you're you know that you're buying a project and buying it at a project price, make them drive you around in it. If you can drive it, be in it while it is driving. Yeah, Yeah. that's a big one. Like maybe you don't know how it handles, but you know the noises it's making. Like you you feel like, oh, you know, the sway bar kind of feels like bullshit when you go around this turn or, oh, those uh, shocks ain't working for shit like. Well, yeah, yeah, you'll be able to pick up on stuff like that. You'll also be able to notice things like if the power delivery feels choppy or something, mm-hmm. you know what you're getting into there. Or, you know, it's like, hey, I, you know, this thing looks good. Everything looks great. You had all this, all this power adders and stuff added, right? This thing should be making good power. But, you know, the person's giving it the gas and it's just not like putting you back how you expect. And by the way, as a passenger, you should be put back in your seat a lot more than the driver. Like, because I don't know what it is exactly, but as a passenger, even in my car to me feels fast as a passenger. When I let someone else drive, I'm like, Holy shit. (laughs) As a driver, you don't feel it as much a lot of times. So like they got something to hold on to. Yeah. So if you've got, if you're in the passenger seat and it's, you're expecting a fast car and it doesn't feel fast, something's wrong. Like there is definitely that kind of stuff you can look out for. Even if you're not driving it, if you're just, but like Brandon said, insist on being driven around in it at the very least, unless you know it's a project that you're not going to drive right away. Yeah, if, if if you can't be in it while it's running, you're you're paying a project price and they need to understand that. Yeah. One thing yeah. I like to do is and I, we did it with my girlfriend's car she bought recently because I know the automatic transmission in her car that we just bought can be an issue. A lot of issues and the most expensive potentially expensive issues are temperature dependent. So what I like to do is make sure you could drive the car cold because you could always get it to warm up, but you may have a transmission issue or engine noise that's not there when it's hot. So if the guy idles it in his driveway for 10 minutes before you show up, everything seems good. Yeah, you buy the car, you get home the next morning, you start it up and it's taking like a son of a bitch. So I always say like... I actually didn't know that, but I have seen, I have like gone to see cars where people warmed it up for you and everything. <laughs> so, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 you could do it without being a dick. I'd just be like, Hey, you know, I, 
I really want this car and I want to make sure it's going to last me a long time. Can you do me a favor and make sure I can see a cold start when I get there? Otherwise, I may not be that interested in purchasing the vehicle. I had a note, like, I was intending to try and do a separate thing for classics, if that's what you're after, but I feel like it's integrating smoothly. So I'll say, I have a note to, like, if you're going to look at a car, tell them to not warm it up. You want something that's run in the last few days, especially if it's a classic, because as we were discussing previously off air, like, fuel can drain out of the, the, the lines or whatever, like, if it's carbureted, like, it's normal for it to be a hard start after a week or something. But if it started a couple of days ago and hasn't been fired up since and you show up and it won't start, that's a big, big fucking red flag. Maybe they know how to start it, but that still lets you know what's going on. It's it's really common for older cars. Like you got to pump the throttle. You keep turning it over and over and over and whatever. Like they all have their own unique and special like routine for for firing up but you want to see it cold because warmed up at least to a degree they start easy every 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 fucking time if it started hard 10 minutes ago and then idled for 10 minutes it starts easy now yeah and um if there's a specific car that you want to buy you know i think maybe we touched on this like look at what the common problems for that you know year make and model are so like i was a while ago thinking about buying uh Mazda speed three and those have issues with the variable valve timing unit and the, or maybe it was the chain They're notoriously unreliable, like but I feel you. I've, <laughs> I've looked at them too. Just like, yeah, I don't know. Man. They look cool and fun. And Are cheap. we talking the know. first generation or the bubblier one? Uh, I think they both had the same engine. So it was more or less the same thing with that. But um, I was looking at the first gen ones because they're a little cheaper. I think but, they look uh, good. Yeah. You know, like if it's something with a known issue like that, you can go to the seller and say, has it had this repair done? And that can be a bargaining chip also. Like I if they're like, oh, I don't know. Or it's like, oh, yeah, here I have the receipts. It was done 20,000 miles ago. It's fine. Like Subaru with the 2.5 liter with the head gaskets. You know, that's another big thing to look out for. Well, that's uh, uh, so it's good to know, like, just if it's been, if it's a common issue, just ask, has this been repaired or replaced yet? Like, exactly. if, if so, it's it's good to know that someone already did it or if they don't know, it's a bargaining chip. But the other thing yeah. is, like, a lot of times you'll go to a dealer and the dealer doesn't know your car from a fucking hole in the wall. They don't know the fucking difference. Believe it or not, so many dealers, they don't know shit about cars, actually, because they're just they're they're there. It's a car. They're there to sell it. So, like, they might not know the intricacies of that particular engine or that year of car. It's okay. You do. So you can actually look at the service history. So request the service history. See if like, Hey, do you have paperwork for this car and what repairs have been done in the last, you know, five years. And you can look yourself and see if this service has been done a timing belt, a head gasket or whatever the common problems may be. Or you can ask the dealer to find out for you. Um, So yeah, that's, that's an important point is to know the common issues of that car even if like you're not even looking for a specific car, by the way, dude, it's like not, not, I might not, go. Not to I'm... mention, dude, it's just a flex. It it yeah. it's it sh- you show up and you say like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Don't fuck with me. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, it gives you a lot more power in the negotiations. And you know, honestly, this is like if you're looking for a specific car, like I'm going out looking for 350Zs or another Camaro for some stupid ass reason. I might know a, a bunch <laughs> of things to look for. 
But like, let's say I just needed a daily driver, which would be really cool if I had one. Maybe I'm going to go buy a Toyota Corolla. I don't currently know everything there is to know about Toyota Corollas. Uh, they just can... work. That's all you need to know. They just well, I know. Well, maybe I should pick a different car that's <laughs> yeah. not so reliable. But like I can look up whatever that car is. I can find five different cars, right? I can look at a bunch of just general sedans. I can have them from three different manufacturers. I don't need to be an expert in any of them, but I can take literally 10, 15 minutes to go over and find what to look at for that car. And in 15 minutes, I now go to a dealer, to a private seller, whatever the case may be. And I'm like actually kind of informed. And I know, hey, did you do this repair? Did you do this repair? I know that there are common issues on this car. I mean, it can be less than 10 or 15 minutes. So like it is worth doing every single time, whether it's going to be your fun car or your daily or your winter beater, whatever the case may be. You, you can do it in just a few minutes. You can go in armed with an, a lot of information. If it's an Altima, know the difference between what a, a gunshot looks like exiting the vehicle or entering the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my buddy and he was, you know, we're considering Lemon's cars. And he's like, how about an Altima? So I go, no Altimas. And he's like, what's the difference between Lemon's racing and what Altima drivers do on their daily commute? And I'm like, fuck, you, you got me. <laughs> Damn, we're, lo- we're looking for an Ultima. Got you there. <laughs> also, the correct response to no Ultimas would be no ultimatums. Yeah. <laughs> he got me. But another thing I'm considering buying, and it's a relatively cheap investment uh, for the amount of shitty cars I buy, paint depth gauges can actually be a pretty good friend you can see if the car if you got the whole driver side of a car resprayed it's probably something you want to stay away from and i did very quick research and you could get a decent one from anywhere from like 27 dollars to like 60 dollars it's not a professional one that a body shop would use but it may just give you an idea like okay this panel to this panel like something is definitely up that's awesome. I didn't know that existed. I guess I should assume that tools like that exist, but that yep. paint depth so you, gauge, you know so how you that works? Drill a hole and count the rings anymore. <laughs> no, yeah. It's basically just, it's it's using a magnet, I assume, and obviously that makes it only work on metal body panels, but it's just measuring how far, once you hit that button, how long it takes for that to hit metal. So okay. it knows how thick the paint is. And they know every car has a certain thickness of base coat and the layered coat. So they could look, okay, this Toyota should be here, and I'm hitting this, and it says it's either too thin or too thick. You know it's been painted before. Interesting. Yeah. Most insurance adjusters will carry them around when assessing vehicles. Uh the direct analog for that with classic cars is just carry a magnet. Have a piece of fabric because the magnet will scratch yeah. paint. Yeah, don't. Yeah, just be careful <laughs> <Yeah>. with that. <laughs> um, it's I, I wish I, I, I can't say that I wish I had done that with my van because I really. It's hard to find exactly what I wanted and I found it. It just needed work. But there were whole portions of body like in the rocker panels that was no sheet metal. It was all foam and Bondo. And if if I would have brought a magnet with me and tried to stick it to the rocker and it didn't stick that would have been a huge red flag and I might've gotten 500 bucks knocked off the price or something. I still would have bought it cause I'm an idiot, but <laughs> yeah, it better Sometimes than, you, nice to, you know, 
Yeah, it's it's better to talk talk someone down on that price because you're gonna have to fucking spend the money to fix it anyway. So, but, dude, that's a real thing, man. People who buy classic cars will absolutely bring a magnet, and you find like anywhere where it might have been hit or was a common source of rot, and you just because like we've all seen the fucking you like uh you know, TikTok or Instagram videos where somebody finds a quarter panel that has like three inches of bondo in it, <laughs> you know. It, a magnet will go a long way in the right car. Yeah. And, and you lose nothing by spending a few minutes, like tapping the car with a magnet in the vulnerable spots. So it's, it's not a paint depth gauge. That's, that sounds very legit. I was not familiar with that, but like a simple magnet goes pretty far with something 50 years old. Yeah. That has probably passed through the hands of at least one fucking meth head or some shit. Like <laughs> at least one. Uh, so one more thing on here that, or I should say one more thing that's not on this list that I'll recommend is if you're trying to decide, if you're trying to decide between like two or three different cars that you might buy, go and look at the consumer reports, you know, for all of them and see like, okay, this year make and model, how, you know, like what's the reliability score, you know, um, what, you know, like gas mileage power, that kind of thing. And just kind of compare and contrast like, uh, you know, what am I getting myself into with these different cars? And like, you know, rather than just like this car looks nice, it's red. I like it, you know, like try and look at the numbers and see uh, a little bit more objective stuff uh, on that. Don't be me. Be smarter. <laughs> I mean, also, I like it's, don't be any of us except for Alex. Yeah. Alex is actually smart. Alex is a professional. We're you know, stupid. Ass- no, that means I should have no excuse to own the amount of shitty cars I do. <laughs> but oh, no, undermining our, your credibility here. Yeah. Hey, I, I fix them and get them running, but I still buy them, so I'm dumb. But yeah, another thing to do is... It's just a testament to how underpaid our skilled workers are. Damn right. Skilled workers, too. Fuck it. Like, all workers underpaid. Yeah, Alex no deserves th- the money to buy good quality cars. Yeah. I have one good quality car, and I won't modify that one, but the rest of them forget about it that's the weirdest thing you've ever said yeah <laughs> a good car and i won't modify it the fuck i know that's but, one of the uh, things that scares me about warranties though is i'm just like well, well i'm gonna fucking get rid of that warranty immediately with all the shit i want to do <laughs> although maybe if yeah. i had a new car payment i wouldn't be able to afford to modify it so i don't know No, that's the thing i can't modify it's not under warranty but i don't want to break it because it's my good reliable car that has towing capacity to bring home mistakes mm. from several hours away. <laughs> so I maintain that one flawlessly. I keep it clean and I take care of it because it takes care of my addiction. But there you I, go. Yeah, I accept that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But the other thing you can do, even if you think it's a very obscure, boring car, there's probably nerds like us on the internet with a forum. Oh, forum. there are. Yeah, there are. Every car. There's a forum. So you could join and ask, like, hey, what's good about this car? I'm looking at XYZ. What should I look for? Uh, there's a lot of a lot of these cars, too, also have Facebook groups and stuff. So, like, 350Zs, there's a Facebook group for that. Um, any, you know, whatever the car is, you can find it on Facebook. You can find it in forums. Um, and you can find all those common issues and stuff. Reddit's Dude, a good place for that. My incredibly specific model of Ford does not have any forums or anything, but it has a very knowledgeable Facebook group. Okay. Interesting. Yep. That's yeah. weird. That is actually very weird. <laughs> it, you know, it used to be that the V bulletin forums were just like where everything was as far as automotive. 
but it seems yeah now it's all facebook groups for whatever reason well, but the boomers are all we, on facebook now you're when the website went down and it never came back up i don't know what happened yeah yeah i feel like we might have glazed over a very simple thing to check that's number one they're kind of going away on newer cars but check the dipstick if oh, yeah. they're going away there's what? a lot of new cars without dipsticks yep wait you know what, what that's uh, fucking yeah, real. Ready. I quit. That's real. Sickles yep. forever. Yep. Um, I've heard. Of, yeah. I've heard of new cars not coming with spare tires, and they give you a can of fucking slime in there if you're lucky. I think that's a fucking slap in the face too. Yep. Uh, yeah. But I didn't know they were getting rid of fucking dipsticks. How do you check your oil? Yeah. If I don't have a dipstick, what am I going to ignore? <laughs> Literally. It, so in my daily driver, the tow rig, the you check the oil level through the stereo display. It has a digital display. But what about when the fucking sensor is bad? Like, <laughs> Good luck. You better know how much oil is in there. <laughs> I hate That's it. when you change the oil and put in the correct amount. Yeah. But not only checking the level. I mean, if someone, if, there's, if it's reading nothing on the dipstick, chances are they've driven it like that often. But yeah. check the consistency of the oil. And I mean, you don't have to be a pro. Like, okay, is it oily? Is it kind of gold? Is it more black? Is it sticky? Because people can put in that like magic mystery oil honey shit that will really quiet down like some significant engine noise for at least 100 miles. And that's how people sell cars that have pretty severe engine problems. So something mm. I guess I never knew. I guess I never thought about looking the, at the consistency for like the stop leaks and stuff. Check yeah. check the taste of the oil. It won't <laughs> inform you of anything, but it will make you look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> They'll be afraid of you. They'll sell you the car for cheap. You know, uh, quick side tangent. Uh, the reason why certain types of like crude oil are called sweet crude is because they actually taste sweet. You know, I don't believe that for the simple reason that I've always been told about how sweet antifreeze tasted. And then one day I saw fluid on the ground under my friend's bike and I tasted it. And it was, in fact, antifreeze. And I do understand why they described it as sweet, but it was awful. And it took 15, 20 minutes to get out of my fucking mouth. <laughs> I mean, but it was sweet, though. That's the thing. Bitter when it burns, it smells like it, <laughs> it smells like maple syrup. That's yeah, that's another thing. If you're buying a used car and you smell maple syrup under the hood. That's coolant. It's got a coolant yeah. leak. <laughs> it's a, it's also a good idea if the car is cold, if you show up and it's cold, to check the radiator cap and make sure there's not a milkshake in the radiator, uh, which would be a, a blown head gasket. Yeah. Uh, and to anyone who's somehow listening to the show but not aware, milkshake is just referring to the mixture of oil and coolant that like gets frothy and milkshake-like when uh, coolant is leaking into the oil and vice versa. Yeah. Um, I've actually had that happen without it being a blown head gasket, but that's the uncommon path. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's fixed now. So the last thing on here is to take it to a mechanic for an inspection. And I would, if you're buying it from a dealer, maybe take it to another mechanic. Yeah, don't go to there. But uh, most mechanics, they have what's called a PPI or a pre-purchase inspection. And I think it's like, what, 150 bucks or something to get it checked out. They'll put it up on the lift. They'll, you know, run any codes. They'll, you know, make sure there's no obvious issues. Uh, they're not going to, like, tear the engine apart or anything. But if you're buying a real, like, 
big boy, like financed used car that might be twenty thousand dollars or something or way more, but I'm, I'm trying to live in a realistic world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. $150 might save you $15,000. Like, yeah. 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 I feel I've never done that, but like, if I was going to spend more than $15,000 on a car, I absolutely fucking would. I mean, I've done it. I've done it for like a $2,000 car. So So you're smarter than me, (laughs) way smarter than me, but (laughs) Luckily, too, if you're buying something a little more expensive from a somewhat reputable dealer, even if the car is out of factory warranty and they don't offer a warranty, most decent ones will offer like a, let's say, a 90-day limited powertrain. Like, So that's probably a good time to beat the crap out of the car <laughs> the first few days you have it. Because if something blows up, like you could easily pin it back on them. And no dealer nowadays wants you know 50 bad google reviews so they'll usually take care of you because it's not worth the trouble also that's when it's all fun and no anxiety man just go to give it hell exactly um so the rest of i should say most of the rest of this is uh you know buying advice in different price segments and uh, i think we're going to skip over all the forty thousand dollar used suvs you can yeah. read that yourself if that's what you're interested in. I'm going to go right down to used cars under $10,000. Yeah, that's right. That's what our <laughs> listeners are. That's what we think of you. You're just like us. I'm sorry. You're not a leftist and making money. That's just not yeah. how it works. <laughs> yeah, if sorry. You, you have a conscience. If you're going to buy a $40,000 Lexus SUV, then just stop listening to this show, please. <laughs> if you, if no, you're don't, please. We've only... Lexus, what the fuck were you listening to me for? <laughs> so I'm just going to go down the list and maybe you guys can jump in what your thoughts on these. I These are all pretty Real sober. Quick immediate and... thought is not one of these is a fucking American car. Uh... <laughs> this true yeah yeah you're right (laughs) (laughs) they're all japanese cars (laughs) yeah i i wasn't making a joke there that was an actual comment on quality so uh 2009 to 11 honda accord they say they're around uh eight thousand to ten thousand bucks you know uh my dad had an accord when i was a kid it was fine it was a car um you know i think i was talking a little while ago about how i forget the the years uh but you can get them with the k24 engine that's you know pretty easily moddable um and uh some of the certain years had uh double wishbone suspension which you know gets you a little bit better handling than your average sedan uh they're not necessarily like a bmw or anything but they're decent power and handling they they say this is the car that jesus owned but he was humble about it yeah, for he did not speak of his own accord. But you know, also when he was uh, when he was um, driving uh, the the money changers out of the temple, he he was uh, in a Plymouth fury. Uh, <laughs> you've got your daily, and you've got your project. I love it. <laughs> um, next up is a uh, 2008 to 2010 Honda CRV. Um, for about seventy six hundred to eleven thousand, yeah. I mean, like, if I was going to buy an SUV, it would probably be a CRV. Like, I don't want an SUV, but you know, that's a decent one. Yeah, yeah. I just I hate seeing an SUV on this list because I hate them. But 
sure if you if that's the direction you're going by that one i guess yeah and like these are i i believe these are built on a civic chassis and i don't know about this generation but some of them had the k24 engine some of them had double wishbones i don't know if those overlapped at all but if you get the the earlier ones that are based on a civic and you want to modify it you can basically bolt up anything that's uh civic part on there uh as far as like suspension and like i've seen them lowered down i've seen them with turbos on them at the drag strip they're yeah they're pretty cool i love that we're like okay this is the most practical car you can get here's how you can fuck it up i mean maybe that's just me but yeah (laughs) yeah my approach goes immediately my approach is way more this is the least practical thing you can get and here's how to fuck it up yeah (laughs) Uh, next up is 2010 to 2012 Honda Fit, um, 7,900 to $11,000. Yeah, I've, I've known a few people that drove these. They all had good things to say about them. They're, um, just, you know, a decent economy car, decent handling, good fuel economy, um, good cargo space in the, in the inside. Um, I believe all the, you know, seats fold flat and you've got a hatchback. So, um, you can haul a lot of stuff in there for a smaller car. Dude, it's, yeah, my uh, buddy's it's, got one with five hundred eighty thousand miles on it. God damn! It's it's such a regular car, and you're not going to find somebody who's owned one that's going to speak badly of it. And yeah. they're really nasty on track with the right swap. You know, if you want to fuck it yeah. up, yeah. if you want to fuck it up, yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think the Honda Fit might have just gotten the the uh, approval of all four members of uh, current yeah. currently recording. So. Yeah, yeah, my yeah. buddy's put an old Triumph motorcycle in the back of his, too. Jeez. Oh, nice. Yeah, they do everything. I wouldn't want to get hit in one of them, but everything I generally else, don't want to get hit. No, but definitely not in one of those. I drive yeah. flat front vans, my dude. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The crumple <laughs> zone is the space between my knee and my hip, so... <laughs> <laughs> Anything is an upgrade for me. Drive defensively. But no, no, like I, I, I don't like for being who I am. I feel like this should speak volumes. I don't even hate the way a fit looks. They're pretty nice. Like, and they had, they came in some kind of funky uh, paint colors too, that I kind of like. Yeah. I like that weird, like seafoam greenish. Yeah. I'm just a sucker for a hatchback. So A, a guy I work with has a really like, it's, it's a, I don't know how you would describe that shade of blue. It's very like deep, but still kind of bright. And I, I really dig it. Yeah, I, I I know what you're talking about, and I'm like, yeah. I kind of want to get that paint and paint my Sabre that color. I'm low-key talking myself into a Honda Fit now that everything else I, I own really, is broken. I really want a Honda Fit right now. <laughs> <laughs> you right. sound like I really could use a cheeseburger right now or something. Yeah. <laughs> I just really could use a, a, anything that starts every time. Right. No, I'm still down the uh, first-gen Honda Insight rabbit hole. Okay. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. I want that really ugly citrus green, though, and I will not settle for less. (laughs) Yeah, I think next on this list, uh, I don't think we're going to have many more objections, even though it's stupid and awful. What do we got, Bryant? Do you see it? You see where I'm talking about? Yeah, 2010 to 2012 Toyota Prius. Uh, So they're saying about uh, 1,100 to 15,000 to... 15,000. I'm used to thinking in, in cheap yeah. car terms. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why it's on the under 10,000 list, but right. uh, yeah. It's, but That's still, they're decent. 
they acknowledge that it's just over 10,000, but still worth consideration. Yeah. And I mean, I think I've talked about this before. My, my mom and my brother both have a Prius and, you know, they're decent cars. They get great mileage. They're just a car. You know, there's nothing special about them. They have, you know, decent room, you know, uh, hatchback, but there's nothing remarkable about how they drive or anything. They're just a, a, a car. You know, every Prius owner I've ever known had the same complaint about them. And every time it's just that it's a Prius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know something like specific? Because as far as I know, they're just reliable and fuel efficient. Yeah. And I will say like real quick, some stuff that's not on this list. Like if you're looking for a hybrid and you don't have the budget for a, you know, like a nice Prius, you can get like, um, a Chevy Volt for a decent price. It's not going to be as reliable, um, but, you know, they're out there. You can also get like, you know, uh, there's like like a, you can get like a Honda Civic uh, hybrid or like yeah, the Honda, Honda has Insight. a bunch of hybrids and yeah. Yeah, there's like the, uh, the Ford Fusion hybrid or whatever, but like. Uh, again, don't buy a Ford though. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> Just saying there's options out there if, if you want a Prius, but you can't find one for whatever reason. I mean, also, as I think we've touched on for years on this show is if you want to be like anything resembling environmentally conscious, but also drive a car hybrid is the way to go. It's mm -hmm. fewer yeah. of the shortcomings of, of, you know, fossil fuels and fewer of the shortcomings of pure electric. I, I will say also, like if you have a really short commute, um, you can buy a Nissan leaf at the end of its life for super cheap, like two or three thousand dollars, and the the battery might only give you like forty miles of range or something. But if that's in your range for like your commute, whatever you know, drive it for a couple years and get rid of it. You know, the only downside is it looks like a Nissan Leaf. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm yeah. saying so far on this list, the fit is still the winner. It's a good one. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, I have a, I think I have a different winner involved, uh, and it's actually at the end of the list. So there's a couple more <laughs> on here, and of course everyone's laughing because they know where I'm going with this. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead. So we're going to go ahead. You know what else is on this list? The Toyota Corolla, same year range, 2010 to 2012. Obviously, it's a great car. 2009 to 2011, Toyota Camry. Yeah, again, of course, obviously natural winners. But I'm interested in 2011 to 2012. Infinity G, uh, which the G sedans are fun to drive, agile handling, very good reliability, uh, 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 decent fuel economy, and uh, whatever. It does mention that they get premium fuel, but don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. They're fast. They got that VQ37, uh, and, you know, they're quick. If you want um, to stop reliable. at a street takeover on your way home from work. <laughs> doable. Very yeah. doable. I got to be honest here. Like I do not know fuck all about infinities. It's just, it's uh, the luxury Nissan. It's the Lexus for Nissan. Okay. Fair enough. I actually like that was this. Okay. I, I know a single thing. about like, <laughs> So this is uh, basically a longer version of your Z, right? Uh, it's, it's more closely related to the 370. So like, okay. The 350 Z had the G35 sedan, the uh, 370Z had the G37 sedan. This year range would be G37. 
Yeah, and you could get them in a coupe uh, version. There is a coupe right? version and a sedan version. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think in this year range, there was an all-wheel drive as well as rear-wheel drive options. That was um, going to be my question. No, yep. None of them are front-wheel drive, right? No. That's cool. Uh, I think there might be some technically, like, I think there's like a G25 or something that might be uh, front-wheel drive. But uh, for, for the most part, what you're seeing on the road is rear or all-wheel drive. Um and double wishbone suspension, shit like that. They they do handle pretty well. Um, and that VQ37 is pretty bulletproof. It's It's got a lot of power, and they're generally pretty reliable. So and, it's and a so good like, platform. We, we glossed over a couple of cars, and it was just the, the Toyota Corolla and the Toyota Camry. And since where we left off was the Toyota Prius, and the Infiniti is just another fucking Toyota... I think that it's worth noting <laughs> what Nissan Nissan. Oh shit. No, I, I, okay. What's the uh, difference? It's, it's not a 50 year old Chevy. I don't know. Um, no, I, but I, I do think it gets to the heart of this list is that like, if you want reliability and economy at an affordable price, you have to buy a Japanese car. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, import or whatever, like, uh, a, a Toyota, Honda, or apparently in some cases a Nissan are, are the fucking way to go. If, if you kind of want everything in one package, there is not a single fucking domestic car on this list under 10 grand. Yeah. Also probably don't buy a uh, Mitsubishi or uh, a Kareem yeah. car if you want something reliable. Man, Mitsubishi used to go so hard and have the coolest right. shit. I saw a, uh, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, the... Pajero, the little SUV. Peugeot, I think is how it is, right? No, no, the Mitsubishi Pajero. They're, oh. they're, never, never seen. Well, it's the uh, same as a Montero, right? It's smaller, though, and they made oh, okay. it an evolution version that was like a rally right. cross little truck. But yeah. I saw one on my way home yesterday, right hand drive, that was like, you know, kitted out for like off road shit. Really cool looking car. I think they're like mid 90s or something. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, there was definitely a golden age of Mitsubishi, and it is not today. It is long gone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when I was in high school, Mitsubishis were cool. Yeah. Yeah, Nissan owns a big chunk of uh, Mitsubishi these days, and uh, they have, I don't know, doesn't seem like they're helping. <laughs> people still buy them. Not a lot of people, but like you'll see a brand new Mitsubishi on the road, and you're just like, huh, why? I, You know, it's, it's part of one of those big... Uh, industrial conglomerates that they have in Japan, like oh, Mitsubishi also, yeah, they also make like TVs and refrigerators and like machine tools and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I've run Mitsubishi uh, CNC lathes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it true that it's something like it's less than five percent of their entire corporation is the automotive part? I would believe. I don't know, that. but that's uh, yeah. Is true, I'm actually, but... I'm actually. I have heard that, and they make a lot of other shit. So, yes, yeah. that is quite believable. Well, that's the end of this article. So I think we'll wrap up here soon. Um, but I, I guess we'll uh, turn it over to Alex to just say, is there any advice that you would give people that are either buying a used car, you know, from a mechanics uh, from a mechanics standpoint? Like, what what advice would you give people either buying a, a used car or just maintaining their car that they have some common pitfalls that you've seen people fall into. I've seen maintenance issues and 
it might be partially because of my brand and also i mean any dealer service is going to be expensive especially for bigger services like your transmission flushes and spark plug services stuff like that but if you don't have a specialty shop that you really trust what i see a lot is someone goes somewhere else to save a buck on a service and it's an inexperienced person inexperienced shop putting cheap parts in the car they end up fucking the car up way worse and then you end up paying for the repair twice so if you have some of a specialty car or a car you care about that isn't just a honda civic or a toyota camry and you need a bigger service like that try to find a specialty shop because there's plenty of them out there that are just you know it's a dealer alternative there's one around the block from me it just says you know Acura and Honda only dealer alternative. There's a lot of good experienced technicians in those shops and it's a much better alternative to just go into your local Jiffy Lube because they fuck shit up all the time. Don't ever go to Jiffy Lube. Yeah, don't ever. <laughs> yeah. Even for oil People's, changes. I yeah. mean, that's just, that's that's a don't go there if you can avoid that. Yeah, but I've had, you know, and again, it's a bad example because I'm working on Highline cars, but I've had people have to cough up 20 thousand dollars to replace a transmission because they wanted to save eleven hundred dollars on a service so even if you have a midline you know relatively newer car a new transmission for a somewhat recent car is going to be three to five thousand dollars so god this hurts to hear yeah so i mean yeah this is when when it comes to finding shops I, i we've definitely mentioned before like find someone who specializes in that car if if possible like if you have a toyota camry guess what everybody specializes in your car you 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 win the lottery but like yep. someone like me through when i'm driving you know car 350z and whatever i I need somebody who does know or, or at least isn't afraid to get involved in that kind of shit when yep. i saw a shop that had a, a bunch of dodge stealth and 3000 gts parked out front i was like yeah that's someone who that's won't mind what i did to this fucking piece of shit car <laughs> That's someone yeah. who's not afraid to get involved in some fucking shit. Um, yep. Find someone who does specialize in your car or is willing to work on cars that are modified. Yeah. Even if your car isn't modified, by the way, like if you have a Honda Civic, but you go to a Honda Civic, like heavy duty shop. Yeah. They're probably going to know your car pretty well. They're going to know it like in and out in some ways better than the dealer. Cause the dealer is a lot of times going to be like, no, we don't fuck with that. If it's modified, we don't know how that works. We're not interested in learning it. Yeah. So yeah. Most dealers, most dealers are happy to, you know, work with you. Let's say you're, you're pretty handy and you can do an oil change here or there, but I'll just use the example again of like a transmission service. Sometimes you need specialty tools to fill it. Sometimes you need to know the temperature to check the level at. Yep. It may be worth if you don't have that local specialty shop. Okay, I do most of my own maintenance. I save a lot of money doing it. I'll pay the dealer just to do a transmission service because they don't. They're happy to do like a la carte services, so you don't have to buy a big forty thousand mile service for twenty five hundred bucks. You could say, hey, you know, sometimes they'll let you bring your own parts. Sometimes they won't. But if you say, hey, I just want a transmission service, I do everything else on my own, they'll usually comply and they're happy to help you. If you don't have any local specialty shops, that'll do it. Because it could save you a lot of money in the long run. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. 
So so much of it is it, that's really helpful is knowing when it's okay to spend the money. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I learned to work on my my own vehicles because I just developed the attitude that anytime you take it to a mechanic, you're just immediately dealing with a scam artist. Mm-hmm. And like that's I, I recognize why it's an unhealthy attitude, and I have obviously taken things like way too far in terms of like fixing stuff myself, and it does save me money, but it's an inordinate amount of fucking hassle on my part, and it, it turned my need to do maintenance into a whole fucking lifestyle I've built around that shit. So yeah, sometimes it's okay to just go and be like, Hey, my transmission needs serviced and I don't have the thousand uh, dollars sitting around to buy the tools to do it correctly. Exactly. And it's, it's really easy for a job to go South and you don't yeah. know that until you do it enough like we do, but you could go on YouTube and you could see how to do your spark plugs, but as soon as that snaps off in your cylinder head, then it's more expensive because you're towing it to somebody. So, raise your hand if you've pulled spark plugs today. <laughs> yep. So yeah, just I raised my hand for for listeners. That was oh, raising yeah. my hand. I I yeah, had that done before eight limits. a.m. Yeah. Oof. I say know your limits of what you're capable of and what you're willing to try out and what might end up actually costing you more money than just. Paying someone else to do it. Honestly, a broken spark plug is something I have nightmares about. Yeah. We Just getting all that do. shit seized up or fuck what. Uh. That's why I make yeah. sure to drive vehicles that break down often enough that I have to pull all the plugs at least three times a year. <laughs> and get no, a code I, reader. A cheap code reader can save you a few bucks too. The fuck good is that going to do me? <laughs> oh no, we're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Plug it into right. my phone. See how my phone's doing. Yeah, yours uses a uh, Morse code, right? That's yeah. why yeah. I literally pulled the plugs because I wanted to make sure it was flooding. And because of the slight downward angle back, I pulled plug six this morning to make sure that it was flooded and not something else going on. Nice. And when I pulled my plug out and it was soaking fucking wet with gas, I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. Well, on don't, that note, be like me, yeah. On that yeah. note, I think it's. I think we've done a. That, that's a, our buyer's guide. Yeah, be like Alex. Report. Don't be like me. That's that's the yeah. lesson. That's the spectrum of Carson comrades right now. <laughs> and buy uh, a Honda Fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy a Honda that, Fit. That might be the actual takeaway. I'm like actually thinking about shopping around after we get off the call. So they actually have my friend who's who's got one. And I think he's had two. They have issues with spark plugs getting stuck in the cylinder head. So it might not be you for you, Brandon. Just research, like we said, research the year that that happens to and avoid that one. Uh, uh, fair enough. And that's, you know, again, excellent advice. Always do your research. But, you know, if you never have to pull the plugs, then you don't have to worry about breaking them. Yeah, the only repair significant that he had to do was a clutch at like 380,000 miles. And then God, he had man. to put a used engine in it at like 560 because he hydrolocked it. I cannot emphasize enough that if I have a vehicle that makes it to 380,000 miles, I have spent one and a half million dollars on gas and am three <laughs> engines deep into the vehicle. <laughs> Plus, you ride your bike to work, so you're never going to put that kind of mileage on it. It keeps raining. I hope the sun comes out for you tomorrow. Or if, it's, if I'm in my van, it rains gas. Also true. Yep. And if you're listening to Slayer, it's raining blood. 
Actually, I, 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 I should post post this. I had to take a picture. Like, I have the doghouse off of my van right now because I've been working on it, and that's just the easiest way. And as I show it to people who uh, to describe what I'm dealing with, everyone is enlightened because no one realizes the engine placement in my van. So maybe I should throw that up in the group chat and maybe link it to the fucking show or something. Because effectively, if you're like when you're in the driver's seat, you're sitting beside the engine. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm familiar, I can, but yeah, I can pull all six plugs without getting out of the driver's seat. That's pretty. I awesome. forgot about that. Yeah, that's true. That's why the doghouse is off, and and I'm like, oh, I pulled the plugs this morning because it's it takes me seconds. Fair it's enough. A good thing I shouldn't have to pull the plugs three times a month, but you know, it's nice that. If I do, it's right there. <laughs> as long as you're not to the point where you're like moving around plug wires while you're driving to keep it from misfiring, you're doing okay. <laughs> Off call, I'll tell you some stories. <laughs> All right. Well, well on uh, that note, probably time yeah. to jump off. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I'll also tell the, the listener, if you have a specific question about a car that we didn't cover in here, email us carsandcomrades at gmail.com. And uh, Connor, tell us about the uh, social media. I always forget what it is. We're on the social medias. Go ahead and like our shit. Um, I don't know. Instagram, Twitter, threads, sort of. I'm I'm a little spotty on on not super consistent there. But, you know, it's a lot of posting. It's a lot of shit posting for, for, you know, for one account. But, uh, yeah, we're there. Go like our shit. We're on Facebook, too. Yeah, Uh, we have like 40 likes on 40 followers on, on Facebook right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, because it's, it's relevant right now, just dare I say, if, if you're listening to this show and for some reason you are uh, doing some sort of don't support Palestine shit, fuck off. I'm with Damn. you. Yeah. I was going to say something similar. No, I mean like we don't, it's, it's not our purview, but even though a lot of us are very like informed of, of a lot of issues globally and, and specifically there, but it's worth mentioning. Like, uh, we, we do not support anyone who has any other opinion. Yeah. And if, if you have a buck or two, you could find some reputable places to donate to Palestinians. You know, I cannot find the, the Venmo for Hamas anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> i've tried searching oh man if you I always did, end up sure someone would be knocking site. at your door <laughs> again more stories that we got to tell you off air yeah well let, let's stop recording now because things might get spicy <laughs> all right good night everyone <laughs>